0: The readings from uh, Colossians, uh, chapter 1, and it's uh, verse 24, uh, and then on to chapter 2, verse 5, and it's called Paul's Labor for the Church. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by uh, the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been uh, kept hidden for ages uh, and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that uh, they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your
1: faith in Christ is. Thank you, Jonathan, very much indeed. So it's another opportunity tonight to link up with our morning series and to add a little bit more depth to the passage that we looked at last Sunday morning. On that occasion, I focused on the two phrases, Christ in you, the hope of glory, something about knowing Jesus, And then he is the one whom we proclaim. Something about sharing Jesus. But tonight, first of all, I'd just like to pay a little bit more attention to the immediate context in which these words have come. To identify Paul's special desire for the church at Colossae. And then look at another couple of phrases that are a little further on in the passage. So let's just try and get inside this uh, little bit of Colossians. And in a way, there's an opportunity to be a little bit clearer about the background to this whole letter. The Apostle Paul is defending his ministry. We can assume that it is being discredited by some at Colossae. They haven't met him personally. They're wondering about his authority And the Apostle Paul is just trying to open up who he is and why he is doing what he is doing. He's saying that he's pouring out his whole heart and soul in the work that he's doing in response to the call of God. Uh, Back in chapter 1, in verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. And then he says he is strenuously contending for them. This word contending comes up at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of the chapter 2. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. I rather like the message paraphrase of that which simply says that Paul is working as hard as he knows how. He is just pouring everything into this task. And then he's also taking a share of the suffering of Jesus Christ. Not to try and add to Christ's own suffering, uh, that phrase at the beginning of verse 24 in chapter 1 is just a little bit puzzling, isn't it? I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. doesn't mean that what Jesus did on the cross was in any way inadequate, but rather that in the spirit of Christ's sufferings, so his people in later generations would suffer also. And that there is an element in which suffering is part and parcel of the Christian journey and the Christian church, and particularly by its leaders. And so we might think of Paul as an itinerant preacher, a visionary apostle, a teacher and writer, and all of these things are true. But in these words, we find that he is a great pastor as well. He is really pleading for the people at Colossae. Indeed, he knew many people in different places. The list of greetings at the end of each, of his letters, makes that very clear. But in this section of Colossians, here is Paul, the pastor, writing to people whom he knows about and whom he dearly loves, calling them to focus on Jesus, to affirm the message of Christ, and to share that message by all possible means. And within this passage, this passage, he has two particular desires for this congregation. And he also mentions the congregation at Laodicea, And by implication, he includes other places as well. In chapter 2 and verse 2, he uses two very poignant phrases. His desire for these people is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Encouraged in heart and united in love. So here is Paul the pastor writing to these people, saying, I'm pouring out my heart and soul. For the sake of the calling that God has given to me, that I might bring the whole truth of Jesus Christ to you and to others, that you might be encouraged in heart and united in love. So tonight I believe that God is calling us to take these two phrases in particular and hear from them ourselves. And we can do this with Scripture When we do it carefully, we can take those phrases that are core to the themes of Scripture and allow them to speak. We can almost jump across the 2,000 years without being disrespectful of that period of time. Nevertheless, there are moments when Scripture is almost timeless in what it is saying. And the heart desire of the Apostle Paul for the Church of Colossae is a timeless message. For God's church of all generations and all places, that we might be encouraged in heart and united in love. These are words that sit well alongside the whole direction of the New Testament. They don't just apply to one moment in time, and not just to one congregation, but to all time and to all places. So tonight, what does it mean for you to be encouraged in heart? When God is saying this through the Apostle Paul, what are you hearing this evening? What does God want us to take to heart from this? You see, the the opposite of encouragement is discouragement. And it's quite easy to get discouraged. Discouragement comes when things begin to go wrong. When there are lots of problems. When people begin to drift away. When prayers don't seem to be answered. When there are lots of different opinions and it's hard to find a way through. When you become tired from carrying heavy loads. These are the sort of things that bring discouragement. And it is very easy for any congregation to encounter discouragement. So tonight, God wants you to be encouraged in your heart. And that happens when you take courage from God himself. When you focus not so much on the people and the problems and the issues, but on the Lord. Embrace all that he is and all that he wants to bring into your life. We're thinking this year particularly about God as a God of hope. Who always wants to bring out the best in you. Always wants you to help you to see the best in life. To bring abundant life. For he is indeed the bread of life. And he is the life-giving water There is so much in the character of God that is hugely encouraging. And so much in the scriptures that reinforce the encouragement that comes from God himself. Psalm 63, verses 6 to 8. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand. Upholds me. A simple message comes in this next illustration on the screen. Every day, God thinks of you. Every hour, God looks after you. Every minute, God cares for you because every second, He loves you and a number of Bible verses just to reinforce that, but really the message is there loud and clear through the whole of Scripture. That God is interested in your life and in my life. And we take courage from who God is and the fact that he really does care about what's going on every single day. Every day he thinks of you. Every hour he looks after you. Every minute he cares for you because every second he loves you. Another angle on this, sometimes our hard times are actually times of testing to help us trust God more. I was especially grateful for this Facebook post which uh, Amanda shared earlier this week. Uh, You may have seen it yourself on, on your Facebook pages. That when you are going through something hard and wonder where God is, Remember, the teacher is always quiet during the test. Or another memorable saying, At my lowest, God is my hope. At my darkest, God is my light. At my weakest, God is my strength. At my saddest, God is my comforter. So many little sayings that can just reinforce this constant steady truth. That actually God is interested in you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to take courage from who he is. And how he takes that detailed concern for every single day. A quote from Rick Warren. God changes caterpillars into butterflies. Sand into pearls. And coal into diamonds. Using time and pressure, he's working on you too. So be encouraged this evening in your heart because of who God is and how he is working. Yes, the Apostle Paul wanted the church at Colossae to be encouraged in heart. And then he wanted them also to be united in love. And I particularly like the message paraphrase of this little uh, phrase here, which is that Paul's prayer for the church in Colossae was that they would be woven into a tapestry of love. Woven into a tapestry of love. It's important to recognize that the basis of being bound together in love is a common faith in Jesus Christ. Indeed, this verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 continues. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Our unity is not based on being all the same kind of people but on all having the same faith and working to the same purpose. There was a risk at Colossae of fragmentation, of a church split. And it was all really to do with whether the believers considered Jesus to be all sufficient for their life, their faith, their future direction. Whether their life was truly anchored in him, or whether there were other beings that were also important. The issue was the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And Paul's desire was that believers at Colossae and elsewhere should recognize that all the secret treasures of divine wisdom and insight are to be found in Christ. There is nothing lacking in who Jesus is. He is all-sufficient. And when we're united in love, it means that we're bound together, woven together into a tapestry of love where Jesus is the subject. Our opening songs tonight were selected around this verse and the truth behind these words, particularly the words that follow on. Understanding the mystery of God in Christ, meekness and majesty, manhood and deity in perfect harmony, the man who is God. That's amazing poetry isn't it but it's an expression of the fullness the richness the depth of who Christ is who can know the mind of our creator we can't fully understand him but we stand in awe of Jesus what a beautiful name he is just capture those moments of worship earlier and see how they come into this passage here and Paul's desire was that the church at Colossae would be encouraged in heart, united in love, and they were united around Jesus Christ. Jesus is the basis of our unity today. And that is very, very important. Because we may have different perspectives on lots of issues. We may differ on political issues. Brexit, immigration, Donald Trump, Israel-Palestine, all the political tangles of our time. We may have different points of view. We may differ on social issues, the root causes of poverty, how to care for the marginalized, how resources should be shared. We may differ on moral issues, on abortion on euthanasia, on same-sex relationships, on gender change, all these complex moral challenges that sit around our society today. We may differ on our interpretation of Scripture on some of these things. And that too is hugely challenging in our present time. But there is something underneath all of that which is a gift of God and which is very powerful for the church. And that is that God calls us to be united in love, woven together in a tapestry of love, where Jesus is right at the center. And we are fundamentally one because of our confidence in Jesus Christ. That he is the unique son of God. That he is the saviour of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the head of the church, the Lord of all. For Jesus himself, the greatest commandments were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. Or in the language of John's gospel, to love one another as I have loved you. And Paul's desire for the church at Colossi, God's desire for us tonight, is that we should be woven together into this tapestry of love where the common thread is Jesus Christ. Where some of those differences may add colour and texture to the tapestry as we bring different gifts, different experiences, listen to different understandings, And as we come together in the one community of Jesus Christ, we are encouraged in heart, united in love, and begin to express what a true church really should be. In a moment, we're going to share communion together. It seems to me that communion is an encouraging meal. It's something that should encourage your heart as you recognise again what Christ has done it's a uniting meal because we share one love because we are one body and it's a Christ focused meal because Jesus is the one who invites us to come and we remember him and it is his body his blood that has been broken and poured out for us so in a way communion expresses so much of what this passage is saying as we come to Jesus as he is at the center and as together we're encouraged in heart and united in love